Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you are about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gen Praise Band and on special occasions some great guest musicians. Later on in the broadcast, you may hear a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, along with some teaching from the Bible with Pastor Alan Mata or another generation's church leader or special guest. So without any further delay, welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church.
You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury.
blessed. And we're blessed today to have a feast in the word with Dennis O'Neill, whose bio is in your bulletin. Dennis is a man of God who knows how to communicate truth with humor as well as accuracy. And Dennis, we just turn the service to you right now, brother. Come right on. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Am I on? So was I on when I went to the restroom before? Yes. <laughs> oh, everybody said, yes, yes, we know. Um, I think I'm going to do a song. Thank you. I think I'm going to do a song to these people over here. <laughs> what mic should I use? Oh, the anointed mic. Oh. And I'm going to do number one, uh, song number one. That lady got it. And I'm going to do the song because God did make this a wonderful world. And he took a mess, Pastor, and made a message. So thank you for that. I like that. I'm going to use that more often. <clears throat> can we start that over? All right. And you can just bam. I see trees of green, red roses too. I watch them bloom for me and for you. And I say to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, bright sunny days 
and warm sacred nights And I say to myself What a wonderful world Are so pretty in the sky It's there on the faces Of the people passing by I see friends shaking hands Saying, how do you do? And what they're really saying Is I love you I hear babies cry I watch them grow They'll know much more Than I'll ever know And I say to myself What a wonderful world I say to myself What a wonderful world. Wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow are so pretty in the sky. It's there on the faces of the people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, How do you do? And what they're really saying is, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll know much more than I'll ever know. And I say to myself, what a wonderful world, yeah, I say to myself, what a wonderful world, oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to get right into the word. Uh, I'm going to go 30 minutes. Pastor, did that song count as part of my 30 minutes? <laughs> he's, he's not answering, and his wife's saying, yeah. <laughs> Just like a woman. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, little boy said to his dad one day, Dad, why does the preacher always take off his watch and put it on, a, on the pulpit? What does that mean? The dad looked at him and said, Son, doesn't mean a thing. But, <laughs> but today it's going to mean something. I want to get right into it. I'm going to share my testimony. Every time I go to a church for the first time, I always share where God took me from. So this way, um, Pastor and his wife can determine whether they're going to have me back or not. But uh, I always share my testimony so we can get to know each other. Uh, I came out of uh, uh, doing films, soap operas, TV commercials. I was living in New York, born and raised in New York. I know, I know you can't tell, 
But, you know, I really used to talk like this before I got into acting, you know. Even when I got into acting, I was talking like this. And I think I got a lot of my jobs because the producers were afraid that if I didn't, if they didn't give me the job, what would happen to their kneecaps? But um, I never hurt anybody. Well, that's another life. Anyway, so I'm going to share my testimony of where I came out of. But first I want to give you a scripture in Romans 4.17. It says... And, and, you know, I've got to tell you, I'm very impressed that I don't need my glasses. Huh. It says in Romans 4.17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead, or God who raised the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So the things that did not exist, God called as if they did exist. And I want you to get that. Because my message and my testimony is about having a vision, seeing things that be not as though they were. In verse 18, it says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now God is telling Abraham that he's going to become the father of many nations, and a father. Now, Abraham was almost 100 years old. Sarah, being 90, Abraham's thinking, how could this possibly be? I've never had a child with Sarah. So how can we possibly, at our age, have a child? Let me go back to Romans 4.17. God called things that be not as though they were. Now let me go on to verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not, and considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What I like about this story is that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. So when God said you were going to become the father of many nations and a father in the natural, the Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. He believed God. Let me go down to uh, verse 23. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, it's saying that it was not just for Abraham alone, but for us also. And a lot of times we say, yeah, but that was back then, that was 2,000 years ago. Well, that was 5,000 years ago. But the Bible says that it was not written for those 2,000 or 5,000 years ago. It was written for us as well. This is why this is our guideline for life today. It's not something that existed way back then. You know, just like people say, well, you know, healing was for back then. Back in the old days of the Bible, praying in the Holy Spirit was back then. Look, let me tell you something. Everything that was back then is right here, right now. It says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What do you want in your life today? 
You know, sometimes we have to, well, not sometimes, all the time, we have to go beyond our own thinking. You know, I always say, let go and let God. When you're at the end of of your rope, that's the perfect place to be because you have no place else to go but to Him, but to trust Him. Now, my wife started believing for me in 1979. She prayed for my salvation for two years. Now, my wife would do everything imaginable and unimaginable to get me saved. She did everything but get me in a headlock and bring me to church. I think spiritually she did. My wife would leave Bible scriptures all over the house. Now, when my wife got saved, you know, like most of us, when we get saved, man, we're so zealous. Man, we want, we want the world to get saved. And we do some pretty outlandish things. And we say some pretty outlandish things that years later we say, oh, why did I say that? You know, we think, well, God told me to say that. No, God never told you to say that. And, you know, when we get, when we get to heaven, God's going to say, I, I never told you to say that. I felt like Kenneth Copeland just now. Glory to God. That's just like um, somebody said to me, hey, do you know this guy, Jesse Duplantis? I said, do I know Jesse Duplantis? Glory to God. Do I know Jesse Duplantis? I know Jesse Duplantis. Jesse talks about his wife, Kathy, a lot, and about her skinny legs. Oh, glory to God. Glory! (laughs) And when I got, when I received the Lord into my life, man, all of these things I mean, they just woke up to me. I never knew that I had a sense of humor. Maybe because I was on drugs for most of my 20 years of life. And uh, I didn't know, I didn't even know I was living. And that was in the land of the dead. But that's another message. But my wife used to leave these Bible scriptures all over the house. I'd wake up in the afternoon. And usually because I had a hangover from the night before. A constant hangover. And my wife already gone to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'd wake up in the afternoon and I'd, I'd turn over and I'd see a Bible scripture on her pillow. And I'd get like Frankenstein. Ah! It was like showing a cross to me or a, that, that bright light. I'd go out into the kitchen. On the refrigerated door was a Bible scripture. On the milk was a Bible scripture. I mean, we had, we had more Bible scriptures than we did cockroaches. Now, see... You guys in Texas don't have cockroaches. You th- no, no, no. You think you do. You can, in New York, you cannot saddle a cockroach like you do in Texas. And the only way to kill Texas cockroaches is to ride them into a wall. But getting back to my testimony, because I don't want to talk about cockroaches too much, because I know you're going to go fellowship after the service. Isn't that funny? Every time we, we want to go out to eat, we call it fellowshipping. We do a lot of fellowshipping. That's why they call some of us full gospel preachers. <laughs> but my wife would leave all these Bible scriptures all over the house, and then one day she got me a brand new coffee mug. It said, my cup runneth over. Oh, man. I couldn't get away from these cockroaches. I mean Bible scriptures. But she would do this just to get me saved. And, and I would do things just to 
man, just to get her unsaved. I couldn't believe what she was into. Because you have to understand something. My wife brought me to astrology. I mean, I was into it before, but when I met my wife, we went to astrology. We went to hypnotism courses. We went to all of this stuff. So when she got saved, when she received the Lord, got born again, I just figured it was another one of those kinds of things. But my wife wouldn't stop praying for me. And and I, I remember... Um, one day I was, I was going on my way to uh, an audition for a soap opera. I forgot which one it was. But I remember um, she said, what are you going to wear? So I told her. And she started ironing my, my shirt. And I said, oh, that's pretty cool. My wife's ironing my shirt. And I'm in the bedroom. And from the bedroom in New York, where I, we lived in this apartment, you could see through the whole apartment. And she was just ironing the shirt and she was every now and then she'd look over at me and I'm wondering why is she doing this and she's eyeing the shirt and she's saying Lord go into his back go up and down his arms go into his neck oh Shandai Shandai get him Lord and I'm thinking what is she doing I never knew my wife knew Italian and and here she is praying over this shirt and you know, I just let her go, man. Just let her go. She's saying, anointing, go get him. Let him feel your anointing on the way there, God. And I remember putting on this shirt, and I, was, I had my portfolio in my hand, and I was just walking down the street on my way to my audition, and all of a sudden my body went, oh, what was that? When I went home, I said, don't iron my pants. I couldn't imagine what would happen. <laughs> So my wife would do all of these wild and crazy things just to have me receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now, the Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And I found out a couple of years later, my wife would go to church and people would ask how, how her husband's doing. Well, my wife saw things that be not as though they were. She said, oh, my husband? Oh, he's doing great. He's saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. He's preaching and singing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They said, really? And they thought I didn't go to church because, you know, I'm this traveling evangelist. But I was a stone-cold sinner, man. And my wife would just confess these things. And one day this woman came over to her and said, Carmen, when you first came to the church, you said that your, your husband was on drugs and he was in sin and he was in this and that. And she said, well, that's, you know, you, you talked to me about that and you said that I should see things that be not as though they were. And she said, yeah, but you, you got to tell the truth. She said, I am telling the truth. She said, yeah, but, but your husband's a sinner. She said, no, you told me a, a year ago that I shouldn't say that over my husband. So I'm just telling you what you're telling me. My husband is saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, singing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this woman just walked away scratching her head. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. We tell people the, the, the guidelines of the word, but then when they start doing it, we tell them, no, you can't say that. What? Isn't that what the Bible says? See, that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about when I say this wasn't for 2,000 years ago. This wasn't for 5,000 years ago. This is for now. See things that be not as though they were. Do you have an unsaved husband? Do you have, you have children that are on drugs? You have children that, that got away from the church? See things that be not as though they were. Hey, listen, stop talking about the problem and start talking about the solution. You know, I, 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 I always say to people who whine, you want some cheese with that wine? I mean, really, 
I mean, that, that's all you ever seem to do is complain and complain and complain. Why don't you do what the Word says? And I'm talking about Christians. Do what the Word says. So my wife was doing what the Word said. So she'd start to confess all of this over me. And I, I remember talking to my wife and I said, Carmen, look, I, I can't go to church. I mean, can you imagine what my friends in Brooklyn would think if I went to church? I mean, I have friends like um, Vito, Vinny, Jimbo, Jumbo, Moose, Baba. I hung around. Yeah, Baba. See, in Texas, you call him Bubba, right? Well, in New York, it's Baba. And, and I remember Baba. Baba was an ugly kid. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if Baba was here, he'd tell you how ugly he was. I mean, Baba was so ugly. Thank you. Baba was so ugly when, when, when he was a baby. He used to play in, in the cat box and in the sandbox, and the cat would come over and cover him up. The kid was ugly, man. I mean, and, and his mama was so ugly. She used to, remember Lucille Ball, when Lucille Ball had the lipstick over her lip? And I, I forgot what, what episode that was, but she had the lipstick over her lip and over here. Well, Baba's mama was so ugly. I mean, she made an onion cry, man. That's how ugly she was. And you should have seen... Oh. Well, that's what Baba told me. I'm just telling you what he told me about his mama. And his sister, his sister was so ugly, she made Freddy Krueger uh, have nightmares. Anyway, okay, so I'm going to move on. Baba knows I talk about him, by the way. I'm going to go over to uh, 2 Corinthians. But before I, before I, I, I read that scripture, uh, so I, I would tell, tell my wife, Carmen, I, you know, I, I, I can't tell my friends that, you know, I'm going to church and everything. I mean, when I was growing up in Brooklyn, I grew up in a, in a tough neighborhood in Brooklyn, the Gowanus Projects. I mean, my friends were so tough. You should have see, seen them. Some of them had no necks. Some of them had chains. This one kid had uh, chains on, on all over and, and a mustache and, and no teeth and sideburns at 10 years old. <laughs> Man, and you should have seen what the boys looked like. It was amazing, amazing neighborhood that I grew up in. And that wasn't Baba. <laughs> but, you know, I would tell my wife, you know, I, 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 I really I can't go to church with you because, you know, what would my friends think? And she would always try to get me to go to church, always try to get me to go to church. And, and then one day uh, I decided, okay, I said to her, I'm going to go to church with you just this once. But you've got to promise that you'll never ask me to come back ever again. You'll never talk to me about Jesus. You'll never talk to me about your church. Never talk to me about the Bible. Don't leave scriptures all over the house. And I said, you've got to promise. I'll go just this once. But then that's it. She said, I promise. Just come to church just this one time. And I thought, well, that's a good deal. So I'll go just this once. I'll shut her up and I'll never hear anything about this ever again. And I remember going into my, my bedroom and going into the closet, looking at my clothes, and I thought, now, now what could I wear that will embarrass my wife? She'll never ask me to come back to church just because of what I'm wearing. And, um, and, and I started thinking, uh, you know, what, what would it be if, if Sylvester Stallone got saved, you know? Uh, and if my wife prayed for these people, why doesn't she pray for them? Hey, yo, praise God. How you guys doing? Yo, Adrian! Hey, yo, I want you guys to do me a favor. Put your hands up like this. Come on, everybody. Yo, everybody. I'll come over there and embarrass you. Come on. 
All right, everybody, say this. Yo, God! Yo, God! I'm saved! I'm saved! And then I started thinking, because I had a vivid imagination. I mean, my imagination, once I got hooked onto something, my imagination would, would go. And then I thought, what would it be like if Popeye the Sailor got saved? Oh, skip it oh, praise the Lord. Oh, where's me spinach? Oh, here it is, Father. Bless me spinach in Jesus' name. And bless Pluto as well. And I wondered, what would that be like? And then I thought... Now, my favorite show, my favorite TV show was All in the Family with Archie and Edith Bunker. And I thought, can you imagine Edith getting saved and Archie saying, Cheese, Edith, you dingbat, what are you doing now? Just praising the Lord, Archie! <laughs> oh, you can applaud, that's okay. And then I thought, what would it be like if, well, he said he was born again, but then I started thinking about what if he really became born again? Jimmy Carter. (laughs) I love my peanuts. I really do love my peanuts. I do love my peanuts. I love my peanut plantation, but I love Jesus more. Glory to God. (laughs) And then I thought, well... Well, Nancy, I forgot. (laughs) And I, I started to think about all of these people in show business that would get saved. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I grew up with Elmer Fudd. Hello, my name is Elma Fudd. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. <laughs> and of course, Braveheart, Wallace. Hello, my, my name is Wallace, and I just want to yell out, Freedom! <laughs> I just thought of that. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. One person. Oh, no, don't applaud now. That's okay. <laughs> No, I'll take any applause. That's okay. So I thought, let me go to church and I'll wear these clothes and my wife will never ask me to come back to church ever again. Man, I took the tightest pair of jeans that I could find out of my closet. These were, and I remember wearing them, 29 waist. Oh, the days. The days of old. And I had a 32 waist at the time. Oh, the days of old. And I remember putting these jeans on. I closed the door. I didn't want my wife to see because I wanted her to see me come out of the bedroom. And I put these clothes on. (laughs) These pants were tight. Then I got the tightest shirt I could find. And I had my shirt open. Oh, I can't do it because I have this mic on. Here, let me see if I can give you a little sample. Remember this look? Stay in the line. Stay in the line. Thank you. Stay in the line. 
But I could hardly move because my jeans were so tight. And I, I remember getting my trusty brush. I, I had a certain kind of a brush. Tease those seven hairs. Yeah. Yeah. Then I got my trusty can of hairspray. I mean, I had so much hairspray that if I moved the wrong way, my clothes would crack. And I remember walking out to the living room and saying to my wife, You ready? And she looked at me and said, oh, no. I said, let's go to church. We went out to Corum, Long Island, to this church. And there they were. Now, you have to understand something. I used to watch Christian television when I was getting stoned just to laugh at them. I mean, and they were all so happy. Hey there, hi there, ho there. I mean, happy as can be. I hated it. So I said to her, if anybody says praise the Lord, hallelujah, or amen, I'm walking out. She said, all right. We go in there. Now, how do you walk into a Christian, spirit-filled church with no one saying amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, nothing like that. There was nothing Christian about this, I thought. And I thought, okay, so it's one of these, you know, they're going to probably talk about astrology or self-hypnotism. I'm going to go numb your ring, and do something weird. And so we go in and, you know, we sit down and we're just sitting there and people are talking to my wife and she's introducing me. Not one person is saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, glory to God, nothing like that. And then all of a sudden the music comes on. Now this I could not understand because you have to understand something. I grew up Catholic. I was singing in the Catholic church. Not only was I a choir boy, but the day that I got saved, I mean, that day I was supposed to be singing in the Catholic church because I was a cantor in the Catholic church. Isn't that weird? I was getting stoned all the time, but yet on Sunday I would be uh, singing in the Catholic church. But anyway, the music comes on and there was a guitar player, piano player, bass player, drummer, organ player, and five singers. And all of a sudden, I hear this, one, two, three, four, I don't know what you can to do, but I can't praise the Lord. And I'm going, whoa, what is this? I could, I've never seen anything like this. And that's not an, exagger- an exaggeration, because in the Catholic church where I was singing, everything was in the minor mode, and it was... So I'd never seen anything like this. And I mean, people were dancing all over the place. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know. And I'm thinking, where am I, man? So I thought, well, I don't want everybody looking at me. So I got up, you know, and I didn't know any church moves. The only thing I knew were disco moves, man. So I'm thinking, yeah. And I'm doing all this stuff. And I didn't know people were looking at me. (laughs) And my wife told me months later, yeah, you should have seen the people looking at you. And so when the music was over, there were two pastors that, well, one pastor preached. And then he said, okay, now we're going to, this is, 
this is the part of the healing service. And I'm thinking, healing? What is healing? What is this, man? In astrology, I've never seen this. In hypnotism, I've never seen this. And all the things that I've ever done, I never heard about healing. So he said, anybody that wants to get healed, come on up. And I'm just sitting there. My wife said to me, uh, no, I said to my wife, I was laughing. I said, what a joke. Go up for a healing. <laughs> she said, I went up last week. Why don't you go up? What? Then I thought, go up there and show her that these people are a bunch of phonies. This stuff doesn't work. I said, all right. So I walk up there. There were two pastors there. One was nice and calm. He would just have his line and pray over people. They would either fall on the floor or go back to their seat. And that falling on the floor stuff, I did not get at all. And I thought, how stupid. People with their brand new clothes on falling on a dirty floor. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But if that's what they want to do, let them do it. So he was nice and calm. And then there was another pastor. He was a little short guy. And he was like, yeah, come on, yeah, come on. I mean, this guy was so excited. He had steam coming out of his head, man. This guy was on fire. I mean, he had fire coming out of his ears. And I thought, no, I'm not going over to him, man. Guy's too wild for me. Besides, I'm looking so cool. I went to the guy who was nice and calm. The only thing about him is he would pray these long prayers. So he had a huge line. This other guy was like, yeah, come on, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, no. And he was already done. And I was the last one on this other guy's line. And he yelled out, hey, brother, come here, I'll pray for you. I said, oh, no, man. No, not me. And I'm just kind of rubbing my head, my face, making believe I didn't see him. And I just do one of these. And oh, man, he's still waiting for me. She said, yeah, you, brother, you pick it out from your hand. Get over here. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm thinking, man, I want to run out of here. So I go over to him, and he said to me, what's your problem? I said to myself, you and my wife, man. <laughs> he said, lift your hands in the air. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm thinking, lift my hands in the air. Why? Well, I mean, what does that mean? Why do you have to lift your hands in the air? And I said, no, no, just, just pray for him. He said, no, brother, this is how we do it in church. Lift your hands in the air. I said, all right, all right. I just want to get this over with. <laughs> and he said, no, lift your hands higher. I said, no, this is as high as they go. He said, all right, close your eyes. I closed my eyes. When I closed my eyes, he lifted my hands all the way up in the air. <laughs> you cracked my clothes, man. Now I'm steaming mad. He said, just close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. So he lifted my hand up. When he did, my shirt came up out of my pants. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And then the other guy comes over. He lifted my hand up. The other side came up. And I said, I can't believe this. I'm in church and my belly button's showing. <laughs> this is a sacrilege, man. Get me out of here. So they had my hands lifted up, and I, I, man, I can't wait to get out of here. And I just opened my left eye, and I see his hand going up and then pointing at me. And I said, oh, no, man, don't mess up my do. <laughs> and his hand is getting closer and closer, and all of a sudden, bam, ah, oh, oh. He said, brother, repeat after me. I said, I can't. He said, why? I said, because my upper lip is stuck in the palm of your hand. 
my lower lip is stuck onto your cuff link. He said, brother, I'm not going to let you go until you repeat after me. I said, all right, anything. He prayed. I prayed. He said, okay, brother, go back to your feet. You're healed. I said, you call this a healing? He said, go back to your seat. You're healed. I said, give me a way out, will you? Call an ambulance. My nose is on the side of my face. I go back to my seat, and there's my wife going, oh, thank you, Jesus, for saving my husband. I said, you called me saved? I didn't know what happened to me. I couldn't believe this. And there I am, standing there, my hair messed up, my clothes cracked, my shirt out of my pants. And I'm thinking, I'm never coming back here ever again. That is it. I'm never coming back here. Never, never, never. And all of a sudden, this woman came over to me, put her hand on my shoulder, and said, Brother, Jesus has a word for you. And I went, Wow. I was so excited, I said it backwards. Wow. I don't know what happened to me, but I looked at her and I said, Anything. She put her hand on me, and all of a sudden it felt like my head opened up, and this white light came in and went all the way down to the soles of my feet. And then she said, my son, I need you to do my work, but you've got to change your evil ways. Ladies and gentlemen, I started to cry. I started to cry and cry, and it was uncontrollable. I didn't know why I was crying. But the more I cried, the more it felt like this evil, this sickness, this darkness, this disease was coming out of me. And the more it came out, the more it felt like this white light came into me. And that night, I got gloriously not only saved, but delivered from 20 years of drug addiction. 20 years. You know, and all during that time, I was working on all the soap operas in New York. I was Robin Williams' stunt double. I worked with Sylvester Stallone. I worked with Robert De Niro. I was in over 65 films. And here I was, probably one of the most unhappiest people in the world. And I had everything going for me. I had a great apartment in New York City. And that night, I realized I was always searching and always in another world. I mean, Ryan had no more hope for me. (laughs) I was on my way to General Hospital. But that night, April 4th, 1981, I came from the edge of night to the guiding light. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now let me read in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've got eternal life. Here I was searching all of my life. I knew when I was seven years old that I had a calling on my life, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what a calling was. 
But I knew that when I say a calling, I mean, I remember saying to myself, God, I know I'm special to you. And that wasn't just a little boy with daydreams. It was something that God put inside of me. And I knew God had a plan for my life to do great and mighty things. And let me just share briefly what I'm doing today. When, uh, <clears throat> when I got saved, in 1984 was the last film that I did because people in the church said to me, well, Dennis, you know, now that you're saved and uh, you know, you're, you're born again, you've got to give up acting because you're... Was that me? Did I do something? Oh, no, okay. People said, you've got to give up acting because you're unequally yoked. You're in the devil's playground. You're with people that are non-believers. You're with people that are sinning. They're doing drugs. They're fooling around on their wives. They're fornicating. And it just, you're, it, they're, it's filled with sin. And so one day I said to my wife, I said, you know what? <clears throat> I think I'm going to go into the devil's playground and start a church and kick the sucker out of the neighborhood. Amen. So I started a ministry back in 19... 19- 81, actually. But I still, for a few years, I still stayed in in the entertainment business. And it's called Actors for Christ, which I still have today. And it's a non-profit organization. And today, what I do, well, let me just share this little brief story. So people said, you've got to get out of it. And I was just a baby Christian. And I was wondering, why is God telling these people to tell me to get out of it? Why isn't God telling me to get out of it? Well, I guess maybe I'm just not hearing from him. Maybe just because I'm a baby Christian, I don't hear from him. And he's not going to talk to a baby Christian, so he's going to talk to somebody who knows more than I do and that has been saved longer than I. So I got out of it. I stopped, and from then on, we were were preaching all over the world. I mean, literally all over the world. We were traveling, and it was, I mean, literally full-time for years. That's what I was doing. And I loved it. I loved, you know, doing concerts and preaching in churches and traveling, going to ministries, uh, going to prisons, and, and doing all this ministry stuff. But I always felt something was missing, and I felt it was acting. But I thought it was like, I thought it was a bad habit. I, I felt like my acting wouldn't leave me like... You know, pornography or drug addiction won't leave some people. And I thought, maybe that's it. And I started praying over myself. I would fast and I'd say, I command you, evil spirit of acting, get out of my life. And I mean, I'd pray over myself, lose him in Jesus' name. But it never came out. And around 1989, I said to my wife, we moved to Texas. And I said, look, I just have to know, is this God or is it the devil? And I sent my old pictures and resumes. I had like, they were like eight years old. Sent them out to all these agents. Well, to make a long story short, I got signed with one of the biggest agents here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Kim Dawson Agency. And then I was cast in, in a TV show uh, called Dangerous Curves. And I remember a pastor called me up, and I would go to his church every year. Every year at a certain time, go to his church and we'd preach, have a great time. He called me up and said, uh, hey, Dennis, I just want to let you know that, you know, we're praying for you. My church and my family, we're praying for you. I said, well, that's great, Pastor Allen. I appreciate it. We were talking some more. And I said, by the way, what specifically are you praying for? And he said, oh, your salvation. 
I said, Pastor Alan, I'm, I'm saved. He said, no, you're not. I said, why would you say that? He said, Dennis, I saw you on that television show, and I, you know, I watched that show every week, and all of a sudden I turned it on, and there you were. You were playing a mafia hitman who was a killer, and he said, nobody could play a role that good and be saved. Well, all I thought about that, and I said, well, thank you. <laughs> I took it as a compliment in my ignorance. And um, he said, I want to know, Dennis, you as a believer, what were you doing on that show? And there was, I didn't say anything, and I thought about it, and I said, Pastor Allen, I want to ask you something. What were you doing watching it? <laughs> Never heard from him again. This has been about since 1991. Never invited back to his church. Little by little, when churches heard that I went back into acting, they stopped calling, doors started to close. But you know what? God showed me something. God said, Dennis, this is where your church is. It's on the sets. Because, folks, I got to pray with some outrageous people. I mean, people were getting saved, delivered, marriages healed. People were crying on the set. I got to share... I got to share my testimony with Chuck Norris, with uh, Robin Williams, with all of these, these famous people. And I just want to tell you something. When God puts something in your heart, I always say, get counsel. Get counsel from people who know. But don't start being ready to give something up that God put inside of you. You see, each one of us has gifts and talents that God put there. The world doesn't understand it, and the church doesn't understand it. But God knows what he's called you to. I, had, I, I don't want to throw names around, so I'm just going to say this. I had a famous preacher. If I mentioned his name, you'd know him. If I mentioned his wife's name, you know who he is. He said to me, Dennis, I don't know if this is thus saith the Lord, but I believe God has given you your ministry and your church on the sets, on the movie sets, on the television sets. So April 4th, 1981, at approximately 10.30 p.m., the Lord came into my life, changed me, filled me with the Holy Spirit, delivered me from 20 years of drug addiction. And what my wife said, she saw those things that be not as though they were. She said, my husband is singing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you all... Do me a favor. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads, please? If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, I turn from my old ways, I give my life to you, and I confess that you, Jesus, are Lord and Savior of my life, you were raised from the dead. If that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to lift up your hand. And we're not going to do anything to embarrass you. But I want you to think about this, and this is why I'm counting to three. One, the Bible says, now is the time of your salvation. You see, God doesn't care about what you've done in the past. Like the song says, He knows how to turn dust into something beautiful. Two, if you're going to a church, or maybe you're even going to this church, but you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart. I confess you as Lord and Savior. I denounce Satan 
and all of his demonic forces. I denounce astrology. I denounce the spirit of hypnotism and darkness. If you've never said that, then on the count of three, just lift your hand up. If you would like a new life in Christ, on the count of three, lift your hand up. Three. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all say this together. Say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess boldly that Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, who is your Son, who died for my sins, has now become my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. I denounce sin. I denounce Satan and all of his demonic forces. And I thank you that in me you saw things that did not exist as though they did. I'm yours, Lord. Take me. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 16, that a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. Today, God took my gift and brought me before great men, great men, great men, and great women. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today for Worship in the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org. Thanks again for tuning in to Worship in the Word. You may hear our next hour-long broadcast at the same time and station next week.